2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match, limited by state law. It's been a
0: while, and it's always a pleasure to have the mayor of Minneapolis on the show with a little Van in the background. Always great to hear Van Morrison. Jacob Fry with us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker. Hello, sir. Thanks for your time. Let's. Uh, why don't we talk uh, snow here, since it's uh, such a pain in the butt. And obviously, you have this debate all the time. Melvin Carter has this debate. And one of the issues which has come up this year, and there are a lot of costs associated with it, is should the city of Minneapolis step in uh, and be more involved in some of the sidewalk areas and other areas instead of relying on home, homeowners, and neighborhoods to get that done where, where do you stand on that one
1: so I think conceptually you're not going to find a single mayor in the entire country that that wouldn't support the government uh, able to plow the sidewalks if they were able to do it in full and do it well and if they if it wasn't some sort of extraordinary cost uh, here's the issue I'm open to exploring it. Uh, I'm open to doing the necessary research so that we know the facts associated with how we would do this in reality. Uh, But here's the thing. One, it is extraordinarily expensive. Two, even if we could afford to pay the, you know, 20 plus million dollars on an annual basis, could we actually get the personnel to be able to carry it out in full? In other words, can we hire enough people just for a few days that would be able to come out and plow the thing, and third, would we do a good job at it? Uh, and it's not like they're, you know, taking an ice pick and a shovel to every single little sidewalk slab of the whole city. They're gonna just they're gonna crush down the sidewalk with a bobcat. And it sounds like you're I skeptical. Am- I'm skeptical is the best way to put it. Yes, I'm very skeptical that we could do a good job. I mean, the worst thing that you can do here is over promise and under Say that you're gonna do something as government and then do an utterly crappy job at it. I- I'm concerned that we would do a crappy job. And that's not due to the extraordinary employees that we would hire on. Uh, that, that, that's, that's due to the fact that this is pretty extensive. It's very hard. And the proposal at least is for the entire city. Uh, to, to, to plow every single sidewalk in the entire city. And there's a number of other logistical considerations as well. But I think the main one is, can we actually hire up the right number of people just to do this for a few
2: days?
0: Let's uh, let's talk police here in in multiple areas. I want to read a part of a story I saw in the last few days. Officials with the city of Minneapolis say they're making progress in negotiations with the state that could lead to a consent degree, decree governing the Minneapolis Department's policies and practices. How close are you?
1: The first is not a consent decree. It's a settlement agreement. The consent decree would potentially come with the Department of Justice, and and there are some differentiating factors in terms of how it's enforced and what judge would ultimately hold uh, the the department responsible for making the changes. Um, uh, You know, I can't give you an exact timeline, uh, but certainly we are moving in that direction. Um, We've had extensive uh, discussions with the state. Uh, There's the ongoing investigation with the feds as well. And here's the thing. We're committed to change. I mean, we're committed to the truth and we're committed to doing this right. Uh, This is an opportunity to get things right in our city, to see a true culture shift in this this department. Not just a policy change, not just changing a few things on paper, which we've done countless times, uh, but having that deep-seated reform and change that I think we all want.
0: When and if this happens, if you're somebody like myself who works down here or you're somebody, more importantly, who lives in Minneapolis, what will they see differently?
1: Well, initially, not a whole lot. Uh, What this does is is it sets the stage for change to happen. It creates the boilerplate and the framework for change and transformation to take place you're not going to see transformation or change on day one. I mean, if if we're talking about the feds, you know, there are many federal consent decrees around the country, you know, Chicago, Seattle, uh, Newark, I believe Baltimore, there's a ton of them. Uh, And it's not like those departments got this consent decree with the feds. And then the next day, everything was transformed. It Mm -hmm. takes a lot of work. It takes a ton of work. Uh, And look, we're up for the challenge and we're going to get the job done. Uh, But it's not going to happen on day one. It it provides a framework for change.
0: Let's talk about um, the police chief, Brian O'Hara. And you touted him extensively when you hired him. He was on here. He's been on uh, other places. He's impressive during interviews. But do you have any metrics to show this is what is different since police chief O'Hara came on board And should we we be waiting for significant changes announced by Police Chief O'Hara? Or is that tied to our our previous conversation, previous part of our conversation?
1: I support the chief wholeheartedly. Uh, I think he's doing an excellent job. Uh, The work that both he and our commissioner have done around safety in terms of the numbers crime is dropping. Uh, end around having a comprehensive and integrated approach to community safety, in other words, combining police with violence interrupters, with mental health responders, and fire, and everything else, we're on the right trajectory. Uh, I don't think that it would be fair to attribute uh, either an increase in crime, which we are not seeing, or a full decrease in crime to any one individual. Uh, but the numbers are going in the right direction. Uh, things are trending positively right now, or I guess negatively in terms of the amount of crime that's out there. And uh, we need to keep moving in that direction, you know uh, And so again, it's not any one thing. Are, is there, you know, can you you know point to one specific metric that any policy or proposal has has moved in the last few months since he's been here? No, of course you can't. That would be unrealistic. Uh, But he's doing a great job. I I support him. uh, I support Brian O'Hara. I support uh, Cedric Alexander. And I feel like we're moving in the right direction.
0: But can you tell me, and more importantly, the listeners, one or two policy changes that O'Hara has implemented, which is different than Madaria Arredondo?
1: Well, the main thing that we've been working on in terms of policy changes is the uh, settlement agreement with MDHR itself which, again, this is no small task. This is no small document. Uh, Chief O'Hara has been involved. Former interim Chief Huffman has been involved. We've got our attorneys involved. Uh, so, I mean, we're not talking about one policy change here. We're talking about, like, dozens of them um, that are, are being changed in terms of the policy but are also in how we're implementing it.
0: How involved are you, if in any way, about this data breach – with the Minneapolis public schools, which sounds very, very concerning and is a reminder what has happened to cities and hospitals and counties across the country, sadly.
1: Uh, I'm not involved, but it's super concerning. Uh, That is something that we constantly discuss at the city. How do we make sure that we are safe and secure in terms of potential data breach and hackers? And obviously, the stuff that hackers are doing now uh, is more extensive uh, than it was three, four, ten years ago. Uh, So we've got all sorts of safeguards in place. Uh, We are making sure that we've got policies and procedures as well as emergency planning so that we're ready to go in case somebody does try uh, to hack in. Uh, but no, with regard to the schools, it's, it's a separate jurisdiction. And look, I feel for them. This is a tough scenario.
0: We had on council member Latricia Vita yesterday, and she talked about um, another awful incident at a council meeting where confronting her physically, screaming at her, yelling at her, profanities, disparaging her family. And security and i know that was debated today in the city council what role can your office play and what have you seen when you're out in public yourself in this area the loss of vehement disagreement passionate disagreement but decency and respect for so many people eroding
1: So I haven't just seen these problematic behaviors in public, I've seen them in private. Uh, There are more mornings than I care to count uh, where I or my wife will walk down the stairs from our apartment or just look out our kitchen window and it says, kill the mayor in spray paint written up on our home. Uh, I mean, literally, kill the mayor. That's unacceptable. Um, people should be able to govern and council members should be able to vote without the fear that their family and or they will be targeted with threats and violence. Uh, and sadly, uh, it, yeah, it's getting out of hand and it's ridiculous. And every single person, regardless of ideology or perspective, should be speaking up on this. Good people are not going to want to do these jobs if they're gonna put themselves or their family at risk. Uh, In terms of these council meetings, council members need to be able to vote. Sometimes I like the votes that they take, sometimes I don't like the votes that they take, but I respect the process and I respect the sacred nature of democracy. You know, you can't have a bunch of people bombard a council meeting and prevent them physically or audibly from voting. Uh, again, it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. We should all be standing up for this because when that breaks down, the fabric of our society does as well. Have
0: you upped your security right now compared to what where it was when you first started because of threats like you said, like you just offered up, which is chilling, frightening, criminal and unacceptable?
1: I don't it, the security hasn't been upped but it certainly has been changed. Uh I mean there are instances when I've had to wear a vest uh to because there were uh, very active threats. Um and again it's not unique to one side. You know back when Donald Trump came to town if you remember back in what was that 2019 I think. Um yeah we were getting active threats and you know, I had to wear a bulletproof vest around. Um there have been other days where we have needed to add additional security because there are threats to either me or my family. Um, and definitely the number of threats and the frequency of them has increased dramatically over this past, I would say, year and a half or a couple of years. Uh, and so, you know, it's something, sadly but truly, that has become a part of this job where it shouldn't. It just should not. We shouldn't get comfortable with this because it's not OK. Um, Ball, and ballpark.
0: How often have you had to wear a vest?
1: That doesn't happen very often. Uh, I mean, I, I can probably you know, count that on both of my hands, the number of times that I've actually worn one. Um, uh, I mean, mainly it's it's the threat uh, of the violence and not necessarily the violence itself uh, that we experience.
0: Last topic here. You were a part of a press conference with Attorney General Ellison and Melvin Carter. On car thefts and directing some of this at the car companies themselves. Where are we at now with car thefts in Minneapolis itself? Uh, is it getting worse, getting better? And how essential is this pursuit by the attorney general?
1: The car jackings uh, to differentiate from car theft yep. are dramatically down. Um how come? I haven't seen the numbers from this last month, um, but they decreased in the range of about 60 percent from the same month the previous year in the latter half of 2022. And some of those trends have also continued into 2023. Yes, why is that happening? I think there's a number of reasons. A big part of it is some great work by our police officers, a great partnership with uh, prosecutors, U.S. attorney's office, et cetera. Uh, that have made sure that the perpetrators of these violent crimes are held accountable. Uh, and it's good investigative work. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're starting to get ahead of the trend. And, um, and then there are also other factors that are, that are beyond our control that have had a factor in the, the downward trend as well. So we're moving in the right direction there. But interestingly, even when we've seen the things moving in the right direction with respect to carjackings or car theft generally, they aren't. Uh, moving in that same direction so much with those particular models and makes with Kia and Hyundai. Uh, and that was part of the concern. I mean, for Kia and Hyundai, the, uh, the rate of theft increased by 836% in 2022. And you know, I, I would be concerned if it was a 50 or 100% increase. Mm-hmm. But 836% increase, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, it, it accounts for almost 40% Think 37 percent to be exact of the total number of thefts in our city, and I was just kind of counting cars anecdotally on 94 the other day. And needless to say, it, it, the, the Kias and Hyundai's together do not account for anything close to 40 no. percent no. of the total vehicular traffic on the road. Uh, so, you know, I've heard some say because I know this is your next question. Uh, you know, let me just—I'll I'll be Chad for a minute. You're going to say. But isn't it true that we really need to be arresting the people and holding the people yes. accountable that are doing the car theft? Correct. Parts, right. Yes,
0: yeah. it'd be stronger
1: about yes. that. Yeah, yes. Yes. You, to your point that I just made for you. Thank you. Yes, you are right. Yes, we do. This is not to say that we don't need to be holding these perpetrators accountable. We do. We are. The, the, they're, they're getting put behind bars. And, as you know, if, you're, if you jack a car, you should be. It's dangerous. It's violent. People have died because of it, of course. And I also feel like it's on us uh, to try to prevent the car theft from happening to begin with. And when it's so damn easy to jack or to, excuse me, steal a car um, for Kia and Hyundais, it makes sense. We got to step up a little more. And it's got to be more than a, than a club. Because, you know, I think one of the things that the uh, Kia and Hyundai offered was to put a club mm-hmm. on the steering wheel. I mean, yeah. my grandfather lived in Queens, New York. Back in the 80s, he would put it. I remember, that was the first, I was like, well, what is that thing? He's, oh, it's a club. He had a club back then. We've made some pretty significant technology yes. advances since that point in time. Correct. And we don't need to rely on a weird piece of metal. No.
0: Always appreciate it, Kander. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you, Chad. Appreciate it.
0: The mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, can react anytime you want on the city's one talk and text line, 651 461 9226.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.